Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got your popcorn ready. Welcome to another episode of the Fantasy Roundtable Podcast, brought to you by the Pulse Podcasting Network, and me, your host, Matt Bruning. You can find me at SportsFanaticMB on Twitter. We have another fun episode for you guys today as we're finishing up our Division Breakdown Series. We'll be knocking out the AFC West today. Dennis will be joining me here in a minute with a special guest, and we will be talking about the top two teams in the AFC West. This will be part one of that Division Breakdown, where we will discuss the Broncos and the Chargers. Looking forward to doing that. Before we get to that really quick, though, obviously some news has come down here lately. Um, I'm about to jump on, or I'm about to have Dennis and Matt jump on, and we'll talk about Rob Gronkowski. Uh, But a couple other things just to let you guys know. This episode has been pre-recorded, uh, so there's some things that have happened over the past few days that I just wanted to hit on really quick. Uh, the two biggest ones both being trades. Uh, looks like Robert Quinn will be joining the Dallas Cowboys from the Miami Dolphins. He's agreed to sign a one-year deal with Dallas to allow that trade to be completed. And there are a lot of rumors going on about Josh Rosen possibly being traded now from Arizona almost Pretty much confirming with that happening, too, that Kyler Murray will be the number one pick in the draft. Now, it's still not confirmed yet. We'll see if that actually happens. Um, A lot of smoke could be just... Could be complete smoke to get somebody to try and trade up to get Kyler Murray, which a lot of people have been saying as well, but I just wanted to touch on that. Um, again, a lot of this stuff that you're going to hear after this is pre-recorded, so I just kind of want to throw that out there for people so you guys can get in the know. All this stuff is happening today, Thursday, the day of this episode release. Um, and then when Dennis joins me here again in the next couple days as we uh, record a new episode, we will get his thoughts on it, and I will go deeper into thought on that, but wanted to throw that out there so you guys uh, could hear it. So without further ado, let's get into the Gronk news and the AFC. West breakdown. Alright, so before we start talking about the AFC West, we had a pretty big news bombshell dropped on us yesterday. Uh, very big for the tight end position in fantasy, and that was Rob Gronkowski uh, announcing his retirement from the NFL. Uh, a lot of people thought it was going to be coming last year. It didn't, and a lot of people thought it would come a year from now, this being the final year of his contract, but he went ahead and retired. Um, I just kind of want to get your guys' thoughts on him real quick as a player and a fantasy player. I, I think he was the best tight end to ever play the game. I don't mean any disrespect to the guys who came before him, um, but I think obviously just with evolution and the way players have grown um, from the beginning days back with uh, Baylor, uh, Mike Ditka, guys like that, the the position has completely changed. Um, I think Rob Gronkowski is at least the best tight end I've ever seen play the game, Um, and I'm sad to see him go. Uh, He's by far one of the best football players and one of the funniest guys in football as well. Uh, So sad to see him leave the game. Uh, Do you guys have anything you want to say about Rob Gronkowski before we jump into the AFC? West. Obviously, a uh, huge talent. Um, what he did on the field was pretty undeniable, an incredible weapon uh, for New England. And it's uh, it's been a rough off season for them. They've seen a lot of their players go without adding anything back. He uh, is one that's going to be incredibly hard to replace, not just the production, but what he did to defenses and to defensive game plans. Yeah, he's you know. He set the standard for what a tight end could be, and at some point, somebody's going to come along. I don't think that the 
Patriots are sitting here now going, oh, we have to do X or we need to do Y going into the draft. I think the Patriots are going to do what they've always uh, done when it comes to the draft. They're going to be looking to get the best players that fit their system, that do the things that they want to do. Um, Gronk had a great career, and it, you know the last couple of years, you could tell, though, he just physically wasn't the same guy. Uh, he would have flashes, but he couldn't hold up consistently. And, you know, I, I think it's a, I think it's great that he is able to look back and go, you know, I, uh, my, I'm going to get out before my body uh, gets any worse. I've taken a beating, and, you know, he's made plenty of money. I saw, I think I saw somewhere uh, today somebody said that he hasn't spent any of his football money. He's just lived off his endorsements like Marshawn Lynch did. And, you know, that's great. He's, you know, for all of his being this big goofy guy, he's, he's a smart enough dude to, he's looks, seems like he's kind of taking care of his business off the field. So he'll go on. I I don't think he's going to go into wrestling because that's every bit as rough on your uh, body as playing in the NFL. So I think he's going to go on and he's going to, you know, who knows? Maybe he's an actor. Uh, I I think if he goes into acting, he's going to get typecast. But yeah, uh, from an NFL standpoint, you know he revolutionized the position. Agreed. Um, I want to ask you guys one quick question before we get into the AFC West. Um, but yes, Dennis, you are correct. Uh, I've actually they've been talking about that for years. How how smart he is and the fact that he lived off he's lived off his endorsement money this entire time. He's made over sixty million dollars in the NFL and he has not used a cent of that. Um, and I do think he's a lot smarter than a lot of people give him credit for. Everybody kind of looks at him as this big lovable meathead. Uh, but to play in the New England offense, you have to be smart. Uh, the fact that Tom Brady trusts him as well as as well as he does, knowing that he's going to be exactly where he needs to be, I think he's much smarter than we all give him credit for. Um, and, and I just, you know, it is sad to see him go. But the question I had for you guys, uh, do you guys think that he will be a first ballot Hall of Famer? Yes. I think he should be. Okay. I agree. And I, I just didn't know. I heard uh, some people talking today saying that they didn't think he should be. So I was just curious to see, hear your guys' thoughts on that. And with that being said, we will jump into the AFC West. And as always, we have Mr. Dennis Bennett with us yet again today to talk about the AFC West. Dennis, how was your weekend? My weekend was great. I spent part of it driving down to the Smoky Mountains with my kids for spring break. I've got a beautiful view, even if it is a little bit rainy today. But I'm enjoying the. I, I'm enjoying my time here. It's very relaxing. We got a nice cabin up in the mountains and. Doing a little bit of unplugging, but the wife did get a cabin with Wi-Fi, so you know we watched a little, streamed a little, uh, the Avengers: Infinity War this afternoon while there it was raining. Go. There you go. So she really does sound like a keeper. She's just sounding better and better in my eyes from everything you keep telling me here lately. That's that's right. And uh, as you know, my dad you used, know. my dad always said, I'd rather be lucky than good, and I was surely lucky on that one. Yeah, I think we would all agree with that one. Um, as I was talking about in the intro, we have a special guest joining us again today, uh, a person that we've worked with here for the past few years. I, think, I know I've, I've written for him for the past four years, uh, is Mr. Matthew Fox. You guys can find him at Nighthawk7734 on Twitter. He is the commander-in-chief or the editor of the Fantasy Life at Blog for the past three years. He contributes to covering the Denver Broncos for Cleat Geeks. He is an avid fantasy football player and a huge Broncos fan. So, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Tell us a little bit about your kind of fantasy background and then why you became a Denver Broncos fan. If you have a favorite player from the Broncos, just kind of fill in the audience all about you. Well, uh, thanks for having me. It's uh, good to be here. Um, I would say... I first got into fantasy probably about 10 years ago. Uh, a friend at work invited me to play uh, in a two-quarterback league, so that was actually my first uh, foray. It's probably the format that I enjoy the most because it was the first that I started with. As far as uh, Broncos, obviously, uh, when you mentioned that, that's my definitely my favorite team, the one I follow the most. I grew up in California, so it was probably a little weird to be a Broncos fan there. My dad said when I was little... Um, I always asked him to watch the pretty orange team. So apparently it was the color um, that got me there. 
Uh, so, do you have a, a favorite Broncos player from all your time liking them, or you just it's just the whole team in general? You don't really have any favorite players for the team. Well, I've I've had a lot of favorite players uh, over the years because I've I've been watching the team for probably more than thirty years. But um, my all time most favorite Bronco is John Elway. I actually have my away Super Bowl poster in my office here at work. I actually have uh, five or six Broncos posters on the wall in my office here at work. It's either that or movie posters down here and uh, my random collection of toys. Gotcha. Well, that is awesome. I know uh, is that uh, Von Miller doll that you had, uh, was, you got it last year at a Broncos game, right? Does that make it uh, up as one of your pieces in your office? Yes, uh, Vaughn Jr. is on my bookshelf <laughs> back there, along with uh, a Porg, uh, Ray and Luke from Star Wars, a couple of people from Stranger Things, a couple of uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, and then I have posters uh, of Peyton Manning and Champ Bailey and Demarius Thomas and Vaughn Miller all up in my office and Demarcus Ware. So I've got the, the full look going there's uh there's very little doubt about what i'm into when people come into my office gotcha so this is your work office or your home office this is my work office i'm one of the well, few people in the building that must that be a great there. job they let you deck your office out like that <laughs> I, I don't know if i was supposed to but uh <laughs> i have that i have entire lego sets in my office i have a keurig i never have to leave Basically. Wait, you're not the kid from Big, are you? <laughs> Maybe the real-life embodiment. There you go. Well, it sounds like your collection, though, won't be complete until you get some Philip Lindsay stuff in there, my friend. Like, you, you, you know you need some Philip Lindsay stuff. I know. I, I, I have him on 16 of my 19 Dynasty teams, so I feel like I've collected him quite a bit. Yeah, I'm glad I don't play any leagues with you because there would have been a lot of fighting between the two of us on who was going to get him. Yeah, I went through and scooped him up uh, during preseason last year after watching him, and uh, a lot of people were annoyed about that when they got into the season <laughs> and realized he was gone. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. I, I took him in as many drafts as I could last year in my Dynasty Leagues, and a lot of people, when the same thing happened and they all started looking like, wait a minute, he's already owned by someone? I was like, that's right, guys, that's right. I've been watching this kid a lot longer than all you guys. Yeah, that's one of the few times where you feel smarter than other people. I've had a lot of the reverse where... I was all in on somebody that never materialized. <coughs> Ronald Jones. <coughs> yeah, I, I know the feeling because I'm right there with you. Yeah, probably my favorite one is, as a Broncos fan, I picked up Julius Thomas uh, during his rookie year because I saw him play in the preseason. I thought he was good, and it took three years before he was healthy enough to have an impact. So I was glad I waited it out. Yeah. I thought he was going to do more when he went to uh, Jacksonville. You and me both. All right, so as I talked about, we brought you on here to talk about the AFC West because you are a big Broncos fan, and we know that you pay very close attention to them and the whole division. Um, the division did not shake out at all the way I thought it was last year. I thought uh, the Los Angeles Chargers were going to be the best team in this division, followed closely by the Broncos and then Kansas City because I was probably one of the few people who was not a Patrick, Holmes, Patrick Mahomes believer uh, at the beginning of the season and then Oakland finishing fourth. Um, we always usually start with the team that finished at the top of the division, so we'll start with the Chiefs. Do you guys, do either one of you, we'll start with, with Matt and then go on to Dennis here, uh, do either one of you think that Patrick Mahomes is in for a sophomore slump? I don't know if he'll have a sophomore slump because of his talent, but I think the biggest question for the Chiefs right now has got to be the status of Tyree Kill with all the off-field stuff going on. It's uh, That would be a receiver whose production would be hard to replace. And um, if if it's just Kelsey and Sammy Watkins, I think anyone would take a little bit of a slump down. Well, I, I think Mahomes is, and I don't, I would hesitate to call it a slump, but he's certainly going to come down in his production. That there's just isn't, a, you know, he could throw for fifty touchdowns again, but probably not. So forty touchdowns is a lot of touchdowns in the NFL. So even if he drops by twenty percent, he's still throwing forty touchdowns. But that's going to be a drop off from where he was at his rookie year. So if he throws for forty eight hundred yards and forty touchdowns, you know, is he going to ma match up with his rookie year? No. Is it going to be considered a slump? I think some people will. Uh, I I think that it's more of a regression to the mean than it is an actual slump just 
because a 50 touchdown season is an outlier season. Yeah, he's got the arm and the ability to potentially be the first to repeat it. So, you know, there's always that. Somebody's got to be the first, right? Well, and since they don't believe in defense whatsoever, we know he'll uh, have to throw. Yeah, I mean, it's hard for me to say. I don't know if a, a slump is probably the right word for it. I do think that he's still going to be a top-five quarterback. I, as, as Matt just touched on, I don't think that their defense is going to be that good to stop people, so I do think they're going to be in a lot of shootouts. And it always seems like Andy Reid is always – um, kind of coaching a high-powered offense, so I'd imagine that he's still going to have, as as you were just saying, Dennis, probably 40-plus touchdowns. I don't think he gets up to 50 again this year. I could be wrong. I think having teams have a whole a whole season and offseason now to kind of look at Patrick Mahomes and see what he does or what they can possibly do against him to slow him down I think is going to happen a little bit more this year than what we saw. We saw a couple teams able to slow him down a little bit. I think more teams are going to try and catch on to that uh, this season to slow him down just a little bit. Not a lot, but I, I, I could see 40 touchdowns. I don't see him getting up to 50. Um, yeah, I mean, he, he could throw 40 touchdowns, be QB1 again, and technically it'd be a slump. I mean, we all know QB1's going to be Baker Mayfield, so he won't be QB1. He'll be close. He'll be like probably 30, 40 points behind Baker Mayfield, but you know. That's for a different discussion for a different day. Tyree Kill, um, we haven't really addressed any of that, any of the news about him on the podcast. I was, I was honestly wanting to wait till we got to the AFC West. Um, Matt, as both of us who have, have talked with you and dealt with all, um, all this stuff throughout the past couple of years, uh, I know how you feel about this stuff. So I'm gonna let you go uh, first here. All I wanted to say was. Uh, all we know right now is that he's being accused of possibly breaking his son's arm. We don't know if that's actually what happened. I don't. I haven't seen any personal details that have come out that just the rumors on that. Um, in my opinion, if that is true, I believe and think that he should be done altogether in the NFL. Whether that actually happens or not, we'll we'll see. Uh, I would think that that's probably not going to happen because what we've seen with uh, what the NFL has done with players who have done. Thing, I mean, I hate comparing things, saying things are worse or, or not as bad, but stuff like this we've seen players being able to come back from except for Ray Rice, and a lot of that was due to the video. Um, so we'll see what happens with Tyreek Hill. Um, I personally think if he did, this should be the end of the line for him. That's just my opinion on it. Um, Matt, go ahead and give us uh, your take on the whole Tyreek Hill situation. Well, I mean, we'll set aside a little bit about how I think all of us would agree that if he did that, that would be a pretty heinous act. And yeah. The things to think about with uh, Tyree Kill in this situation is, first off, I don't expect it to be any kind of quick decision from the team or the NFL being where we are in the offseason. It isn't like when the Hunt video came up last year and they basically had six days to decide before the next game. That being said, you have to consider the Chiefs made a pretty strong statement when that came out and it became clear that Hunt did what he was accused of doing and cut him you know, right away, they didn't wait for the NFL or anybody else to step in. It would be interesting to see if they take that same kind of stance with Tyreek Hill. Even when they cut Hunt, there was some people uh, who bubbled up thoughts about how the Chiefs had treated Hill differently, drafting him even after he had an incident in college. The other thing that I always consider is even if it comes out that he had any part of this, and they're still investigating as a police investigation, so we'll have to see what happens, but any part of this, he's a guy who has kind of a checkered past in history, and I would imagine that plays in, he would be gone at least a season. I mean, we look what happened to Adrian Peterson a few years ago, who was accused of abusing his child, and he ended up being out for at least an entire season. So it's a, it's a pretty big situation to monitor for fantasy and for NFL purposes because Hill was the number one receiver in fantasy last year. Well, from what I've seen, the police reports and stuff that have came out did not name him. They named his girlfriend um, as the suspect. So as of right now, he's, for lack of a better term, guilty by association. And the association being it's his girlfriend and he has a prior history of domestic violence. I agree across the board that if he if this is something that he was a part of, that he that he needs to go. I, I do think though that talent provides opportunity 
you know, Ray Rice, yes, the video was terrible, but if Ray Rice was at the point in his career that Kareem Hunt was, I feel like Ray Rice would have eventually made it back into the NFL. There, there's, there's definitely a double standard. Uh, talent will uh, give teams the ability to justify uh, giving people second chances or third chances or tenth chances. So I, I think Hill needs to, you know, evaluate if he has a if he has a uh, tempestuous relationship with this girl. Sometimes the hardest part to do is acknowledge that we're just, you know, when it's good, it's good. And when it's bad, it's bad. And I just can't afford for it to ever be bad until I have to separate myself from this. Those are tough decisions to make. Yeah. Uh, The one thing I'll say in the, I guess, the differences in the Kareem Hunt and the Tyree Kill situation um, again, I hate comparing things. Both of what he did in college and what Kareem Hunt did were were horrible acts. I, I don't understand why someone would do what they did. Um, that's again, I, I've talked about that at length though many a times. Uh, the difference I think though with them, from what I've heard, is that when they sat down with Tyreek Hill, obviously John Dorsey was the one who drafted Tyreek Hill, um, and I believe they came out and said we've interviewed him, we think he's going to change, we're going to watch him, uh, and we trust that he's going to be on a better path now. And so that's why they drafted him. Where Kareem Hunt lied about the entire situation. From everything I've seen, he said that he didn't do at all what was showed on the video, and that's why they said they came out and cut him was because he completely lied to the organization uh, though I do agree uh, even if Tyree Kill is telling the truth about this if, if you're going to cut Kareem Hunt I mean I would imagine they're not going to cut Tyree Kill but it's going to be a very interesting kind of double standard here that they'll play if they keep Tyree Kill on well and this could be something we don't see a resolution for for a long time if you remember the first rumblings about the incident with Hunt happened in February of last year, and it wasn't until pretty deep into the season when things came out. And on the flip side, we saw with LaShawn McCoy last year, similarly grim accusations were made, and so far nothing has definitively come out, and he has not been suspended at all. So it's just one of those unfortunate things for fans and for fantasy owners that you're just going to have to keep monitoring and keep waiting for. Yeah. Uh, I was going to ask you guys about Damian Williams, but I want to save him for later because I already know your take on on Damian Williams, and as we've had this uh, conversation, so I'm going to save that uh, for a little bit later once we get further into the the Chiefs talk here. So, um, from everything I've seen, they haven't signed anybody of real significance fantasy wise on offense or defense. I do think losing Justin Houston on the defense is going to hurt them a little bit, um, not too much as as we've all kind of talked about earlier that I don't see this defense kind of coming out and stopping anybody. They do have $22 million left in cap space, so they can still make some moves if they want to. My thing is I think they kind of need to go out and get a wide receiver. Uh, Let's just assume Hill plays the entire year. Do you guys think anybody they have on their roster currently is fantasy relevant outside of Hill and and Kelsey? We'll, We'll put Kelsey in there with him as well, obviously. Is anyone else in the wide receiver or receiving core altogether, tight ends included, uh, fantasy relevant outside of Hill and Kelsey? Sammy Watkins. I I like Watkins a lot. I think he has a lot of ability. He just seems to be snake bit for whatever reason. If Watkins can put together uh, a healthy year, then he he could potentially, as the number three target on this team, he could put up a, a wide receiver two type of season with Mahomes. Um, I've seen a lot of people lately are all up in uh, Demarcus Robinson's uh, he's going to be the guy. If Tyreek Hill misses, go get Robinson. If Tyreek Hill is out for any extended period of time, it's going to be Sammy Watkins. Um, and I believe also if he's out, it's going to be more of a run-centric game. For me, it's Sa- Sammy. They paid Sammy a good salary to come there. And yes, you have Tyreek Hill, but their games are pretty different. They can complement each other very well, and I think they can both be relevant. And they paid Sammy Watkins a huge contract amount. I mean, he's got a $19 million cap hit this year, so I'm sure they're hoping to get some better production from him in 2019 and that he can stay on the field. 
Yeah, I'm just not a Sammy Watkins believer. I, I got I have to see it before I can believe it. I've just I've been I've seen him disappoint too much to to believe that he's finally going to turn it around. I know that uh, Dennis, you just mentioned him being snake bitten, dealing with the injuries and everything. Maybe if he's finally able to to have a healthy season, but I feel like that's a big maybe. I, I don't think outside of two seasons in Buffalo, he was fully healthy, which I'll give. He was a stud those two years in Buffalo when he was fully healthy but ever since then we haven't seen it and I just don't I can't expect that to happen I mean if you have Sammy in any kind of dynasty league or anything you're obviously holding him because you know the upside you have with him uh but I personally I would I would almost have to see it to believe it if, if you're someone who thinks that that could happen now would be the perfect time to buy low especially if Hill ends up kind of getting any kind of suspension or anything then chances are Sammy will become the number one guy um I'm not even sure Demarcus Robinson is really the answer I liked him a lot of past, the past Past couple years, and he just really hasn't done anything. I, I personally don't see that happening either. Even if Tyree kills out, I don't see Demarcus Robinson stepping up and being a one or a two in this offense. Well, the question for me is if they're going to make some kind of move to improve their receiving core, it's probably going to have to be in the draft at this point because who, who's really left at this point? You could try to take a chance on DT, who is older, who is coming off an injury, who has his own legal troubles. You could go. For Pierre Garcon, Jordy Nelson, there's not a lot of uh, appealing names out there. Well, the one guy that I would go for, and we've talked about him before going to Indy, uh, me and Dennis have, I would love to see him go out and get Michael Crabtree. I think he could be a really good possession receiver for them. I think he'll, he'll kind of play in the same game that Sammy does, especially if Tyreek Hill is out. Uh, but I would love to see Crabtree out there with Sammy and, and Tyreek Hill, give them the kind of a veteran presence uh, and a, I think a very decent red zone threat as well right there with Travis Kelsey and for that offense. Crabtree would be a nice fit there. Yeah. Even even if Hill is in, I think Crabtree coming in and playing that what third wide receiver slot guy role, big slot. Yeah, I mean, I would, nice fit. I would imagine they could probably get him on a on a one year deal. Same thing we were talking about with with uh, I think it was John on on Houston uh, when we had him on for the free agency stuff. He could easily come in do like a one year prove it deal to kind of get his value back up because it did take a pretty big hit this past year in Baltimore. Um, like I said, a lot of people forget that he was actually kind of lighting it up with Joe Flacco, and then when Lamar came in, he kind of killed everybody's value but his and and Gus Edwards. Those were the only ones who were really producing along with Mark Andrews uh, in that offense. So I think if he ended up coming to the Chiefs, he could really kind of boost his value up. Uh, but Matt, you were just talking about the draft, saying that you thought that's kind of where they'd have to go. Uh, they do have eight picks this year. They have two second-round picks, theirs and the Los Angeles Rams, and a six-round comp pick, and they are picking at 29. Their biggest needs are edge rusher, cornerback, and linebacker right now. Obviously, again, the whole Tyree Kill thing would kind of change their whole needs if they would need a wide receiver if that did end up happening. Uh, what would you guys do, uh, your your attack plan for the Chiefs for the draft? Man, at this point in time, I think they have to try to go get a pass rusher if they can find a good one at 29 or some secondary help because, I mean, they traded D Ford to the 49ers. They cut Justin Houston. They have lost quite a few pieces. I liked the the Matthew signing, but then they let Eric Berry go, so they're still thin in the secondary, and they're thin everywhere on defense, and it's not like their defense was incredible last year, so I don't think they can rely on scoring 54 points every game. Yeah, I think they're going to be looking at guys like Byron Murphy, possibly, or Nasir Adderley, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson when it comes to defensive backs. Those are people that are should all be available for them at uh, 29, you know, edge rusher, uh, I think Brian Burns is going to move up, so uh, he, I don't think he'll be there. But maybe Jalen Ferguson out of uh, Louisiana Tech is somebody that might be there at 29. Uh, who's a DN? They need see, do they run a 3-4? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, that depends on, you know, how quarterback crazy things go and how tight end crazy. I think – the, the potential now with Gronk retiring is you're going to have a bunch of people starting to panic and going, hey, we need to get in front of New England to prevent them from taking one of those big three tight ends. Um, I could certainly see that scenario. And so people go up there, and that allows some of the uh, other talented other positions to fall down to uh, Kansas City. So... If they if Kansas City is patient, you know they should they should be able to get one of the top cornerbacks and maybe or maybe one of the second tier uh, edge rushers. 
The other underrated thing uh, for me with the Chiefs is they lost their center, Mitch Morse, who went to oh, yeah. Buffalo. So offensive line, I don't think you can discount. I know, um, I don't think you can discount how important it is to have that rock in the middle uh, and what that might do to their offense and what that might do to their thinking when they come to the draft. Well, I don't think you can discount offensive line just because it's Andy Reid's favorite position to draft. Well, you know, I think Garrett Bradbury might be there at 29. I think he's moved in up to you know pushing for the top center, him or Elgin Jenkins. Yeah, and I mean, I think if you want Patrick Mahomes to keep playing the way that he did last year, obviously that offensive line is going to have to be shored up. And same if you want any kind of production out of Damian Williams. Uh, I, I would agree with you guys both on that. I would imagine – See, I, that'd be that'd be tough. I would. They might have to go offensive line then, right there in the first round. I see. I forgot about him leaving. I mean, you could still get a decent, as you were touching on, Dennis. A, I would say a decent edge rusher, probably still in the second round. Same with cornerback. They've got a couple. They've got the two second round picks. I know they're both unfortunately at the back end. I think it'd be twenty. What are they picking at twenty nine? And then obviously the Rams. So they're thirty one. So you're picking at the back end of the second round. Might still be able to get a decent cornerback at that spot, but they might have to go offensive line with that first pick. Well, I mean, they have so many needs. The real thing for them is just going to be looking for the best value they can get at 29. Yeah, if they can maybe trade, let somebody who... So if Fant and Hawkinson go, somebody gets nervous and wants to trade up in front of... uh, New England for Irv Smith there at 29, and they can pick up an earlier second along with other picks. That would be, uh, I think, an ideal thing for Kansas City, and then they can drop two or three picks in the second round on offensive linemen. It is. It's really one of those things where you've got a quarterback on a rookie deal that has shown a lot of promise, and the last thing you want to do is have him get the snot knocked out of him game after game after game. Yeah, I mean, not even that. I mean, you've got a, as we've talked about many times, this is your window right here. You've got, Patrick Mahomes is likely going to get, I would say, the biggest NFL contract we're ever going to see whenever that comes up. He's already two years in, so this is going in his third year. I know they they traded up to get him in the first round, so they're going to have that fifth round option on him. So they've got three years now to maximize him on that rookie deal. So the three-year window to try and win that Super Bowl while he's still on the rookie deal and you can pay everybody else. So, that would be a that would be a huge need for them. Uh, I agree with both you guys. I didn't even think about that. That that's a huge need for them this season. All right, so dynasty risers and faller time, and this is when I was going to save the Damian Williams stuff because I already know where you're going to go with this, Dennis. So I'm going to let him go first and talk about. Go ahead and talk about your riser and faller because I know they're connected. And then uh, we'll get maths, and I'll go last here. I think that the signing of Carlos Hyde has gone very under the radar. Hyde is a solid, if unspectacular back, and I don't know that I... I don't buy the long-term prospects of Damian Harris. I think he's a good complementary back, and I could see this working out to be a timeshare between the two of them. So when I say I think Hyde is a riser, I don't know that I think he's going to be even an RB2, but he could be uh, definitely a flex-worthy player, and it wouldn't surprise me one bit to see Carlos Hyde lead the Chiefs in rushing. He plays, he's got a lot of experience playing out of the shotgun, which the Chiefs will run a lot with, with Mahomes. And so I think his skill set fits how the Chiefs play. And while Hyde might not break off a 70 or an 80 yard run, he's pretty adept at you know, knocking out a 20 or 30 yard run. Uh, he's equally adept at knocking off a two or three yard run. Um, but he's a bulldozer at 230 pounds. He's going to get you the tough yards. Uh, he brings a lot of things to the table, which puts Williams by default as my faller. You know, Williams was running back five uh, after Hunt uh, got cut. The last four weeks of the fantasy season, Williams was running back five. And while he flashed, you know, I, I don't know if he's really, you know, I, I don't know that I buy that. And so do I buy, I, I, I don't buy Damian Williams as an RB1, but he could catch enough passes to be viable uh, as a, a low-end RB2. And so if you've got him in Hyde, 
splitting and you know Williams can run the ball well enough that they don't necessarily telegraph what they're doing and Hyde can catch the ball well enough that it doesn't necessarily tele- telegraph what they're doing even though you're most likely to run with Hyde and pass with Williams they do have a, a good amount of skill that crosses over so that I you know Hyde is one of my Guys, I'm trying to pick up on the cheap, and Stash is my RB4 or 5. Well, I mean, I think the thing we saw with the Chiefs last year is because they exploded so much, their their guys are so high uh, in especially their top line, Hill, uh, even Williams. I've seen him going really high, Kelsey high, uh, and Mahomes high. So when I'm always thinking about risers, I'm looking for value, and I I know that... um, we talked about Watkins and how he can um, be kind of volatile as a player, both in his ability to stay on the field and what you get from him. But I think with the whole situation hanging out there, he's one of the few Chiefs that we know is going to have a pretty defined role that could be an expanded role who you can get on the Chiefs. So for for me, he's a guy that I see as potentially having some value in these drafts. Uh, the one that that their, their value is probably the most up in the air to me is Mahomes. I just did a super flex startup that we drafted two weeks ago, and he went with the sixth pick in the first round, um, which was, I thought, pretty high uh, for a quarterback because of uh, how many quarterbacks we have that score anyway. And then the news about this broke, um, and people are still just all in thinking that you're going to get 50 or 55 or 60 or that he could be the first 70 TD quarterback. I think I want to see another season before I'm all in on that. As we talked about, he could have a great year and throw for 42 touchdowns, and it would be a disappointment for all the people that are taking him right now uh, and where they're taking him. Yeah, I mean, me and uh, Dennis actually just did a, a Dynasty Nerds draft, uh, what was that, probably a couple months ago, started maybe, I'd say two and a half months ago or something, I believe Patrick Mahomes went as like the second or third pick in that draft, so I'm, I'm right yeah, he, with you. Yeah, he went at the 102. Yeah, so... And, well, he went at the 105 in the back row invitational, too, oh, too right. which is, and that's a one-quarterback league, isn't it? Yes, yes, it is, yeah. Yeah, so I'm right there with you on on him being my follower, Matt. Uh, I just I don't expect him to do exactly what he did last year. I, I actually don't think he'll end up as the QB1. Uh, I'm joking about Baker Mayfield, obviously. I don't think he ends up as the QB1 either. Um, but I just think Patrick Mahomes is going to slide back a little bit this year. Um, I, like I've stated earlier, I think the defenses are going to find a way to slow him down a little bit. They really did not get much of a chance to do that. We did see teams slow him down. Um, I think more teams are going to kind of key in on what New England did, what San Diego did. I can't remember who the other team is that really gave him a lot of trouble, but I'm, I think they're going to start keying in on what those guys did and try and slow him down a little bit. I really don't have a riser on this roster. I mean, Williams, I think, is going to be the lead back. I mean, Dennis, you know we've had this discussion that we we disagree on that part, so it'll be fun to see who ends up winning that throughout the season, whether it's going to be Hyde or Williams. Um, but I, So I don't really see a riser. I could see whoever they draft. I think that they are going to draft a wide receiver and or running back. I could see them becoming relevant this year. Um, but other than them, I, I really don't have. I think everybody else is kind of firmly supplanted in, in their roles right now, and I don't see anybody changing. Hey, what's going on, everybody? This is 8-Bit Ray from the Gorilla Brain Podcast, part of the Pulse Podcast Network. Did you know that you could be using this spot to advertise your company or business? Well, I've done the research, and PodcastInsights.com report that podcast listeners are loyal, affluent, and mostly college-educated, but most importantly, are five times more likely to interact with the ad they hear on their favorite podcast than an ad from any other medium. If you would like to advertise your company or brand with our network, it's simple. All you have to do is send an email to marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com. I'll say it one more time, marketing at pulsepodcastnetwork.com, and we hope to hear from you soon. All right, moving on to the San Diego. Oh my goodness, I did it. The Los Angeles Chargers. They're San no Diego <laughs> Superchargers. They are no. Thought we were going to be talking about the fleet there for a minute when you called out San I Diego. I was going so we're to switching to AAF. We're 
joking. This is no longer an NFL podcast. We are moving on to the AAF. No, guys, I apologize. That was uh, I, I told myself a million times not to say San Diego, and I did it again anyways. So the Los Angeles Chargers, who I thought had a really good year, I, they were my Super Bowl pick last year. I thought they'd make it to the Super Bowl, and yet uh, they continue to disappoint in that department. Uh, Got a couple questions here about the team that I'd love to get your guys' opinions on. We'll, we'll kind of hit two of them at once here. So do you guys think this is finally the rise of Hunter Henry? And then follow that up with Tyrell Williams now being gone. Can Mike Williams be the clear two in this offense? Um, I'm, as somebody who has held Hunter Henry for a few years in Dynasty, I remain ever hopeful. Uh, this will be the year. Um, him just playing a game would be a step up on last year. Um, but, you know, it, we'll have to see. Their their team uh, didn't really make much use of the tight end position uh, last year, even with bringing Gates back and obviously Virgil Green. Uh, having seen him for quite a few years uh, in Denver, I know he's very limited as a pass catcher. So I'm, I'm hopeful Hunter Henry can come back and we'll – We'll get to see. For Mike Williams, I thought he was really impressive at times last year, and I think uh, them letting Tyrell Williams uh, go certainly opens the door. They haven't gone and signed any receivers in free agency. I'm not of the opinion that Travis Benjamin is in line to be a number two, so I think it was a big vote of confidence for Mike Williams. Just can't bring myself to believe in Hunter Henry just yet. And I, I think he's going into, what, his third year now? I don't know that I'd use the tight end a lot if I'm uh, having to throw the ball to Virgil Green and uh, Antonio Gates at uh, you know the stage of his career he was in last year. So that kind of makes sense. Henry's got some talent, but he just, between injuries and for whatever reason, he's not quite put it together yet. And, and so I would, uh, you know, if I'm going to be picking up any shares of Henry, it's as a throw-in, and I don't mean as a, oh, just I'm just going to give you this guy. It's like, well, I want this guy, and you want this guy, but we don't want to trade him straight up, so let's work something out. Okay, well, I got Henry. Let's find something, you know, kind of bundling like the old uh, American pickers do sometimes. So I uh, I can see Henry, but I got right now. I think I if I'm staring at Austin Hooper and Hunter Henry in the draft, I think I might take Austin Hooper now. I love Mike Williams. I started gathering shares of Mike Williams uh, at the end of last year. Uh, I think he's ready to take that step. And uh, Keenan Allen works out of the slot. And while he can do some stuff outside, Mike Williams is a bona fide outside receiver, big guy, go get the ball, get downfield, work the red zone. Um, they run a. They have a very complimentary game, uh, Williams and Allen. And now Allen's a, a beast. He's he can turn twenty targets into twenty catches like nobody's business. But uh, I think Mike Williams is going to cement his status as one of the top receivers this season. And so I'm I'm excited to to watch him kind of take over. You know, Benjamin's going to be. They're going to bring in whether it's a rookie or they they go grab somebody else off of free agency to be the wide receiver three. Benjamin's pretty much you know one of the. He's he's that take the lid off outside, run down the field, nine route wide receiver, in my opinion. Yeah, for me, I'm really torn on Hunter Henry. I think a lot of people bought into him based on just what he did. I believe it was a 2016 season. He had like eight touchdowns um, with Antonio Gates still there, and everybody kind of bought into Hunter Henry saying he was the next big thing, and then we just haven't seen it. He disappointed in 17. Obviously, last year he had the ACL injury, so I don't know if you can necessarily say that way he was disappointing because we don't know what he could have been. This, I guess this year was supposed to be the year that he was finally there by himself with no Antonio Gates. Maybe that's what we'll get this year. I know Gates is tell, saying that he wants to come back and play, um, but I'm kind of with you on that, Dennis. I need to see it at this point. I just I never thought that he was that talented to begin with. I thought a lot of people just bought into him based on the touchdowns he put up in 2016. Um, and I just I don't think you know it's easy to say that I don't think he's going to be that relevant at the tight end position, but it's so bad. I mean, he could actually probably end up in the top seven to ten range just based on how poor the position is for fantasy uh, but I'm not someone who's who's going out and looking to buy him I guess is the way I would put it 
on Mike Williams, I'm, I'm obviously I'm with both you guys. I guess we all agree on this one. Uh, I thought that he was better than Tyrell Williams last year. He just didn't get as much work. I know he's still dealing with a little bit of injury issues, and then obviously um, it was he had the three. I think it was three really big games. Obviously, the one game where he had three touchdowns. I think ran in a touchdown as well. Um, I believe it was right around the time of the fancy playoffs because I know I played him around that time. Son of a bitch, it almost cost me a win. But uh, anyways, he, I think he's he's due for. I agree, you guys, a, a big step forward. I think he's going to be the number two, and I actually wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being uh, possibly better than Keenan Allen this year because I think he's the much better red zone threat. I mean, even though he suffered that neck back injury, uh, he seems to be more durable than Keenan Allen. I mean, you have to question Keenan Allen's health almost every single year. I don't think there's been a year we've seen him fully healthy. Um, so I, I would love to see how that ends up playing out between those two. But I could see Williams end up being the bigger uh, bigger red zone threat, especially if Hunter Henry doesn't turn out the way that we think he or at least me and Dennis think yeah, he will. Melvin Gordon. I have never been a fan of Mr. Melvin Gordon. I, I just think he gets a lot of his fantasy relevance due to the workload that he gets. He, he gets the volume, and volume is king in fantasy, so that is why he has been relevant. Um, he has 1,500-plus carries in the NFL and college. Do you guys think it is time to move Melvin Gordon now while his value is still at its peak? I mean, I think the the Chargers are a team who uh, was a playoff team last year and was a strong contender and should be another a contender again this year. I wouldn't cut bait on Melvin Gordon. Um, I think they should still keep riding him. They have a couple of young running backs that they've mixed in with Eckler and Justin Jackson um, and just hope that they can keep getting big production out of him. You know, the question for me is, is Melvin the guy who averaged 3.8 yards a carry for his first three years, or is he the guy that averaged 5.1 last year? Um, and at 1,500 carries, including college, you're start, starting to get up there. I mean, he's had 900 carries in four years as a pro and caught 182 passes. So for me, I think we're right at that point where if you're a Melvin Gordon owner, uh, you should be starting to look to get out. He's 25, and he could have another couple good years in him, but he's had some injuries. He's only played a full season uh, once in four years. So I would be trying to to move on from him uh, if I had him. But I'm also, you know, caveat here, I uh, love Justin Jackson. Speaking of uh, people with a lot of touches in college, um, I think Jackson and Eckler make a nice pair. I don't think Jackson necessarily has the ability to deliver peak Melvin Gordon, but even at 5.1 yards a carry last year, Gordon only played 12 games and only rushed for uh, 100 or 885 yards. You know, he only has one thousand-yard season. Though one was 997, so you almost want to give that one to him. Uh, actually, if he had averaged four yards a carry that year, he'd have had a thousand yards. Uh, but for me, I'm if I've got Gordon, I'm I'm looking to move him uh, this year. Uh, I don't know that uh, the Chargers are going to go out and get any another running back in the draft, or if they do, it's going to be somebody really late. In part because they've got. Uh, two really good guys to go along with Gordon, and so they're going to go. He's going into his fifth fifth year now. I don't know if they'll extend him or if they're going to let him walk. Uh, that's going to be interesting to see. Actually, I should probably look and make sure they haven't already extended him so I don't sound like an idiot. He's on the last year of his contract. Okay. Okay, so I have an interesting question for you guys, and because uh, everybody knows how I feel on Melvin Gordon. All right, so he finished as the seventh uh, running back for fantasy last year. Obviously, I would imagine if you were trying to trade him, you're not going to get Gurley, Barkley, McCaffrey, uh, Kamara, or Zeke. Those guys are all still, I think, uh, a weight class ahead of him. Would you guys agree on those five being ahead of him? Yes. Yep. Okay. So, here's are the guys that are right there in his range that I would say you could do a one-for-one. One. I want to know who would you rather have. Would you rather have James Conner or Melvin Gordon? Conner for me. Boy, can I say neither? No, um, you got to pick one. <laughs> I, I think I'd stick with Melvin. Okay. Uh, obviously, James White, I think we would all go Melvin Gordon on that one. What about yeah. David Johnson? DJ for Boy, me. Yeah, I guess David Johnson, You would I 
it's hard to say without seeing if Kingsbury is good or it completely implodes. Right. All right, what about Joe Mixon? Mixon. Gordon. Ooh, really? That is Although, interesting. Although, is fair, it Gordon for football reasons or no? To be fair, Mixon is on my I will never own. Okay, him. right, right, okay. I got you. There we go. Okay, I was, I was, I was going to ask you about that. Okay, what about Marlon Mack? Gordon. You can't say Gordon, Dennis, so just say Mack. Yeah, I, I think I'd go Mac. I I love Marlon Mac. I know. All right, two you know, more. And, and he's he's a, he's younger, so well, I don't know. Gordon's only twenty five. Mac played four years, so they could be pretty close in age. Yeah. Uh, the question more. is whether the Colts love Marlon Mac. Yeah, that's one of the one of our longest going uh, arguments here. Is I think uh, I'm not a Marlon Mac believer, and and Dennis is. And I can't wait till I'm proven right on that. Uh, this one I don't think is that close, but I'd just like to hear because I know me and Dennis are both big fans of this player. I probably would still stick with Gordon, but I'd like to hear uh, Kenyon Drake. Uh, Gordon, no, I'd, sure. I'd stick with Gordon just because I, I don't. Somebody, it, nobody seems to give Drake a chance, and now that you have Flores there, who comes from the Belichick school, who the hell knows what's going to happen with Drake and those running backs. Okay, and then the last Miami is one. just a sad situation altogether. Yes, it is. Uh, the last one, Nick Chubb. 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 Okay. Oh, well, technically there is one more. I forgot about him. Um, assuming he is, comes back and everything's good, Kareem Hunt. I'm going to take Hunt. Matt won't take guess, Hunt, so. I guess I would, I would take Gordon. I mean, I, we don't even know if Hunt's going to have a role, okay. what he's going to look like. I mean, it's almost like whether you, a couple of years ago when you were wondering whether you should bet on Josh Gordon. Man, dude, I keep seeing all these. Okay, I actually have two, I have three more, actually. We're just going to keep this going because I'm, I'm interested. Sony Michelle. Well, I, I, for the record, I don't think Hunt is going to take Chubb's job. I think if I'm taking Hunt, it's because I think next year he's going to be the starter somewhere else. Yeah, and for me, it's not you know, he could end up being the starter for a team that's atrocious. Yeah. Um, Michelle, I would take Sony Michelle over uh, Melvin Gordon, I think. Uh, yeah, I think I would, too. Okay, last two. Dalvin Cook. Oh, Dalvin, easy. I mean, if I knew he was going to be healthy, I would probably take Dalvin Cook. Okay. But that guy has not played a complete season yet. Yeah. And Gordon's only played one out of four years, so... Yeah, he's... Gordon still played more games than than Cook. All right, last one. I'm going to throw a caveat in there because obviously it's not for sure yet, but I'm going to say that it is Aaron Jones after he's a f- he's considered the starter. He's guaranteed to be the starter for the Green Bay Packers. Would you take Aaron Jones or Melvin Gordon? I would take Melvin Gordon. If I know Jones is the clear-cut starter, I'm taking Aaron Jones. Okay. It's interesting. I'm... I'm, I'm... I'm glad uh, I'm glad we went over that. It's very interesting. So Melvin Gordon, it seems like for most of us, falls closer now to the 10 to 12 range than that top five where he's kind of been the past few years is what it seems like we're getting at. I think that's fair. Yeah, right. Probably 8 eight to 12. 8 to 12? Okay. I, yeah, I'd broaden it out a little bit. I mean, some of them, when I look at them, you know, it's, it's sort of, it's a coin flip. And since I have to choose right now, I'm kind of picking and... I, I think uh, there's a certain p- part of me that goes, oh, well, I'm going to take the counterintuitive guy right now. Mm-hmm. I got you. All right, well, we already touched on some of the, the free agents. The The Chargers haven't done a lot of, of moves right now. I mean, bringing in Tyrod Taylor to back up um, Phillip Rivers doesn't do much for fantasy, obviously, unless Phillip Rivers goes down. And then we already touched on the Tyrell Williams situation, him leaving, going to Oakland. And we all we talked about we think Mike Williams could take a big step up. They've got um, seven draft picks this year. They pick at 28. Their biggest needs are offensive line, defensive line, and wide receiver. Luckily for them, those are the three some of the three deepest parts of this draft class. Your guys' thoughts on their draft strategy this year? Well, I feel like they're a uh, pretty complete team still. Uh, I like they haven't had a, as you said, a very active or flashy um, free agency period, but they brought back some of their own defensive players like Adrian Phillips and Brandon Meebane. I actually liked the Thomas Davis signing. I think he's a veteran linebacker that adds 
to their group, and we saw their defense got a lot better once they finally got healthy toward the end of last year. I think they're a team that should be looking for complementary pieces that will help to get them to the next level because, you know, we forget they were the four seed in the AFC, but they had the exact same record as Kansas City, and if they would have played Kansas City a little better, they could have easily been the top seed in the AFC. Yeah, I, I feel like... For them, if a quarterback that they like falls, if Daniel Jones is there, I don't see any reason. If if you you're looking at him and you know they've decided Cardale Jones isn't the isn't the answer, and Tyrod Taylor is what he is at this point. Um, he's a stopgap guy, uh, gonna be serviceable basically. And Philip Rivers is coming to the end. And so if you think, well, I can bring Daniel Jones in and let him sit for two years, you know, that's not a, a terrible choice in my opinion. Bringing in somebody like Dexter Lawrence maybe, uh, and you know, big, big uh, nose tackle out of Clemson, you know, if you got him right over the center at 330, 340 pounds with Bosa and Ingram on the outside, um, that, could, uh, that could be a nice fit for them right there. Yeah, I would. Uh, if I were them personally, I would attack offensive line with that first pick if I could. Um, I actually think that their wide receivers are decent. Like I said, neither one, none of us expect Travis uh, Benjamin to be an all-star. But I, we both, or not both, I keep forgetting there are three of us here now. Uh, we we all like Mike Williams. Obviously, I think he's got he's going to take a big step forward. And Keenan Allen is what he is. As long as he's healthy, he's still a, a top twelve option. Um, I love their secondary, so I really don't think they have to attack it there. I wouldn't be surprised if they do attack that interior defensive line, but wide receiver is going to be interesting for me if they do attack it. Because um, we've, we've talked about many times, Dennis, with some of the other people we brought on, this is extremely deep wide receiver class, and if they could get someone, Andy Isabella, Debo Samuel, Paris Campbell, to kind of put in that slot and move Keenan Allen to the outside, that offense would be I mean, I would say 10 times more explosive. It, it would be scary to see one of those guys go into the slot, and then you have Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen there on the outside. As for the quarterback thing, we all know they're taking Tyree Jackson, and he's going to be the future stud, possible MVP of the future for the Los Angeles Chargers. So get out of here with that Daniel Jones nonsense. I'm just yeah, saying that. he'll be the MVP of the future in waiting for the entire five-year rookie contract. And then they'll let him walk as a free agent, having never started a game. And it'll be the biggest yep. mistake they've ever made. A name, a name to not sleep on in their wide receiver group, though, is this cat Dylan Cantrell out of Texas Tech, six three two twenty six. He's kind of a Cooper Cupish guy. You know, he could come in, play that big slot, let Allen kick outside. Yeah, that could be interesting. It's a, it's a name to monitor. Well, we will. There'll be something we'll have to we'll talk more about as we keep getting closer and closer to the draft. So, it's time to wrap up the Chargers here. Do you guys have any dynasty risers and fallers? Well, I think I we've think all been on Mike Williams. So yeah, yeah. Okay, Mike Williams. Does anybody and have any? I, I would fallers? say a faller has to be Hunter Henry because uh, I think we've talked about he has not yet done anything, and the hype and draft position on him continues to be fairly high, even among tight ends. Yeah. I, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick Justin Jackson as a, a riser, and uh, which is gonna lead to Eckler being a bit of a faller. You know, Eckler was the direct backup for, for a while, and when Gordon was out or needed a blow, Eckler was the guy getting getting the the play. And I, I think Jackson's kind of giving him a push and gonna start taking more snaps from him. You know, the two of them are, are really deeper dynasty or deeper uh, lineup players. You know, Gordon's going to be the guy there next year for sure, though I do think he does uh, see some reduced touches just because of the miles he's he's put on and uh, put on those wheels. But I, I could see Jackson stepping up, taking on a bigger role at the expense of Eckler. Yeah, my uh, my dynasty followers actually be getting kind of connected to what you just said there, Dennis. I think it's going to be Melvin Gordon. I do think that he's going to continue to struggle with injuries. I think he's closer to the three point 
eight yards got a carry, eight yards a carry compared to the 5.1 we saw this past year. I think he's due to regress even more, which I think is actually going to lead to more carries for guys like Eckler and Justin Jackson. They're going to use them more in the receiving game and take some workload off of uh, Melvin Gordon, especially with this being his last year. Now, maybe they'll run him into the ground and not bring him back, as, as we talked about earlier, but I think he's due to regress a little bit. Guys, that is going to do it for part one of the AFC West episode. Before we cut out of here, Matt, how can our listeners find you on Twitter and anything else you do? Where where can they find your articles and everything um, for the FLA blog? Well, you can find us on uh, the Fantasy Life App blog is on Medium at blog.fantasylifeapp.com. And you can find me uh, on Twitter, as you said earlier, at Nighthawk7734. And Dennis? I am at culture underscore coach on Twitter. Uh, should have a new Instagram up here soon. I think right now it's looking like it's going to be down in Dynasty on Instagram, but I don't know if it's going to fly or not. I, you know, I only have so much time in a day, and I spend a lot of time on Twitter. But I think I'm going to give the Instagram a, a, a try. Uh, you know, though I do have a face for radio. Uh, and then uh, I write for DynastyNerds.com. You can catch me over there putting out articles at DynastyNerds.com. That whole team puts out some great Dynasty content. And here on this illustrious podcast with you. Well, all right, guys. Thank you for joining me to talk about these. And we'll be back to talk about a- the this AFC West Part 2 here in a little bit. Prepare for glory! I don't know if you got